amazing month, such an amazing time of the year. If we haven't met, my name is Dean, part of the team here, and it's great to have you here. Uh, we do love uh, getting to just kind of, I guess, focus around the good news of how Christ has come and sharing that with, with our communities. I love last night after the carols, there's a couple of security guards walking around, and uh, one of them, uh, and I just stopped and chatted to him, and and one of them, and they, they obviously worked out. I was kind of the pastor or something. And it was just a really fun conversation because the guy, we were just having a normal conversation. But it was like every third word you could tell he was censoring. It was sort of like, oh, it's, uh, you know, and he kept having to kind of, and I'm like, you know, I just wanted to be like, dude, it's okay, man. Just like let her rip, whatever. It's all good. But, you know, he was just making casual conversation. But it was just one of those. And, and but one of the things that he, that he said, he just went, man, I really love this church. And I, and I can't, I can't either said, I, I love this church. Or I really, but I just, it was so amazing to hear this guy, uh, and he was, you know, he's a rough cat, and we'd been chatting for a little bit, and, and I was like, man, it, you know, but just his only experience, I think he might have done security uh, last year as well, his only experience is this night, but his framework and his language was, I, I love this church, I really like this church, and just this sense, I love that we get to just be a part of people tasting who God is and what the church is. Um, you know, I invited him. I found out he lived nearby. I invited him on a Sunday. I could tell that was a little bit like inviting him to the moon. Like, you know, like, hey, you want to come to the moon next week? Like, you know, I never really thought about doing that. But, um, but I love that someone like that was just like, I love this church. I love this. I love what happens here. I love these people. And I love that all across uh, all these evenings up in, in Yanship. You know, last night there were people in the event who were come from the evacuation center and we're able to bring joy and love and blessing. And no matter what, we bring that to people and that's a great privilege. And thank you all for being a part of it the way you are and, and the things that are yet to come. Uh, and, and what I wanna do, and I, and I know as well with all the different things uh, that we get to do this time of year, sometimes it could be a, a challenge to figure out, um, you know, uh, what does it look like to navigate what is a, a full season uh, for many of us? Um, you know, if, if you know me, I don't like to use the word, like many of us kind of around here, I don't like the word busy or saying it's busy uh, because that kind of is almost like, well, it's just all this stuff is happening. And but it's a full season. There's, no, there's a lot there. And, and I know one thing, I never want an empty life. I, I like having a full life. But this time of year, for all of us in different ways and different things, the focus of this moment and season, if you're a follower of Jesus, is this is a moment where we say the whole year, this moment we treat differently as a moment in time that we focus ourselves around the beauty, the glory, the greatness of the incarnation, that God stepped into the world, that the word became flesh, uh, that light shone in the dark. We stop and we say, we must step back from how we normally do life because this is a moment so worthy of attention and focus and celebrations and do anything you can to focus around the amazing wonder of what has happened. Amen? And if you're a person who's not a follower of Christ, what I, I, I hope this morning what you'll get is we're going we're gonna to be thinking about and talking about uh, how can we journey this moment well? Because when I thought about this morning, and it's, it's December 15th. You know it's December 15th and, and of 2019. Uh, we are at the very end of the year. We're approaching Christmas Day. We're approaching New Year, all these things. What 
would be good for us to stop and to think about together today. That's how I thought about this morning. And just what, what would God want to say to us? What would he want us to focus ourselves around? What would he want us to really stop and say, here is how we could best journey this moment well. And, and when I was just thinking about that, I was actually reminded of a, a video from one of my favorite um, preachers. We're actually going to watch, it's about a five or six minute message he did. He's one of my all-time favorite preachers, a guy named uh, Dean Gretzinger. And um, he, yeah, it's great. He's like, I don't know if you see him, he's pretty good. And, um, but I, he's one of my, he's definitely in my top three. And, um, but actually, I, I, there's just, almost every year at this time, there's one phrase that I, I think about. There's actually part of a Carol's message we did about six or seven years ago. Um, and we're actually going to watch this video that helps us to stop and think about what happens this time of year. What does it look like to make the most of it? So we're actually, we're going to watch this. Now, I know it, it, when you see me, you'll be like, there's no way this is six years old. You look uh, obviously a lot younger even today than what you'll see on the screen. But, um, but it's from a few years back. But I actually thought, you know what, let's just, it's something that I find really helpful. And I want you to just have a look at it. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how, how we can put some of this into place in our lives. So let's have a look. When I was 16 years old, I remember hearing my high school English teacher say something I'd never heard before. It's actually a well-known saying, but I'd never heard it. And he looked at a group of us and he said, the most valuable asset you have in life is your time. A lot of people think it's your money, but it's not your money. If you lose money, you can always get more of it. He said, time is your most valuable asset because it's the one thing in life you can never get more of. You know, nobody believes something like that when you're 16 years old. You feel like time's the only thing in life you've got plenty of. But he was right. He was dead right. Time. It's the most valuable asset any of us have. 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 7 days in a week, 52 weeks every year. And every one of us has to determine how are we going to spend the time we've been given. You know, Christmas time, everybody's thinking about how they'll spend their money, the presents they're going to buy, the gifts to be purchased. But what if the most valuable thing you could give someone this year isn't something that can be bought with money, but something else, something that can only be bought with time? Sometimes people call Christmas time silly season. Why? Because we all try to do and give so much stuff that it just gets silly. Instead of enjoying the most wonderful time of the year, we end up exhausted, frustrated, screaming at somebody because they brought 13 items into the 12-item express lane. It's like we let things get so busy, so full, so crowded that instead of making memories, we just make ourselves crazy and end up waiting for the whole thing to be over so we can relax. Now that is silly. But you know, I think even 2,000 years ago, it wasn't so different. Mary and Joseph are headed back to their hometown. Mary's about to give birth to the baby Jesus. And they're looking for somewhere to stay, and we're told that there was no room for them at the inn. So they basically have to stay in a barn. No room, 
for the birth of Jesus. You know, I don't know why things are so full, but don't you think it's wild that even at the first Christmas, there wasn't room for what matters most, the birth of Christ? I mean, the whole story is essentially this, that at Christmas time, God was wanting to give a gift to the world, the gift of his presence among us in Jesus. But right from the moment he was gonna make his grand entrance, right up until today, we were too full to make room. Now, if God was wanting to give the world this simple gift, the gift of his presence, that what God thought the world needed wasn't another thing, wasn't even another list of rules or a set of do's and don'ts, but that it was the gift of his presence. The presence makes all the difference. Then imagine what would happen if we stopped driving ourselves crazy trying to give more and more presence and started focusing on giving something that matters so much more our presence. If instead of spending more money, we started focusing on spending more time, time with the people who matter most. You know, it's a tough one to get a hold of. It's a lot easier to get something off eBay. But I can guarantee you this, the greatest gift you could give someone this year isn't something that can be found at Target or JB Hi-Fi or anywhere online, not even on Gumtree. It's the gift of your presence. Nothing matters more, nothing will last longer. And it will only cost you one thing, but it's the most valuable asset you have, the one resource you will never get more of, your time. One day, I reckon we'll all look backwards and wish we could have these moments again, whether we're 16 or 60. So let's not waste them now. Spend your time on your family. Spend your time on your friends. Instead of just giving presents, be present. Christmas time reminds us that the greatest gift of all is the gift of presents. I hope you find it this year. Little look back in time there. The, uh, yeah, I know, it was, uh, I know you're like, if it weren't for Levi in that shot, that's my son, you wouldn't be able to tell. You'd just think we made it last week, I know. But um, it's, uh, you know, I, I, the reason I, I think that is a, a message is worth coming back to is because I, I think it's important this time, if we don't stop and choose what we will intentionally pursue this time of year, uh, then we will be pushed and pulled in any number of directions. And if we want to be, if, if there's anything within you that went, you know, that is, that's what I want. I want to give the gift of presence. I, I find it so helpful always this time of year to think, no, presence, not presence. 
You know, how can I be focused on presence, both on pursuing God's presence and on being present to people around me in a world that wants us to focus on presence? And even when I say presence, I don't just mean, you might be like, I'm not even a gifts person, but it's all the noisy, distracting things that keep us from choosing presence. We, we live in a world that does not facilitate well what it means to be present to other human beings. There was a post on Twitter this past week or something or, or Insta Snapchat or whatever it was. I don't know, but it was a photo. I don't know if anybody saw it. And there was these three, I think, but the person who posted it was Bette Midler. Uh, does anybody know who Bette Midler is? Does it, raise your hands, just curious. Yeah, she was in an episode of Seinfeld once. And, um, but she just, I don't know, that's how I know her. Sorry, that's kind of funny if you're a fan of beaches or something. I don't know, anyway, but she, she's an actress, um, uh, so you know. And she put this photo, and it was these three kind of teenage girls, I think, in an art museum. And behind them was like a work of art, a famous one, and then they were all on their mobile phones. And then she put it out kind of like with one of those, geez, isn't, you know, this generation terrible because they're all on their phones. Like, look up, what are you missing? And, and then, uh, so she was like, yeah, I'm going to start some backlash. And then everybody backlashed her for, how, how dare you? They were probably looking up background information on the photograph behind them and things like that. And like... And, and the whole thing was just kind of, it's just like, you know, a whole reason to just be outraged. Everyone, you'd be outraged to this and outraged to that. And we live in a world where it's like, we can just all, there's all these things that will distract us, will clutter our attention spans. They bring about just all this noise in our lives. And none of it facilitates what it means to be present to other people, to be present. To God. And so Christmas time, which is all about this idea that God became present. Like he literally, you know, John 1 is translated sometimes. He moved into the neighborhood. God was like, I want to be present to you. And this time of year, we're like, let's celebrate that. And yet, if we are not careful, there'll be so much noise that we find it hard. And so if you are like me, that you go, yeah, that's what I want. I want more presence this year. Um, then we're going to look at some ways we can do that. And if you're like, no, I just want more presents with a T, um, go to the Compass Kids is right next door. And you can, no, just joking. I don't even know what that means, but you're welcome to just be focused on toys. Anyway, um, here is how. I want us to think just a little bit. I want to give you a few thoughts on, on how we actually do this because if we just leave it only in ideas, it's going to be hard to do. And, and here's the first idea for you. Uh, if you want more presents, and less presence. And it's this idea of choosing contentment. What is radical and different and countercultural and the Jesus way of life that is different than the more way of life, what is radical and countercultural is to be people who choose contentment over the chaos. This time of year is a stoking around us of the more that we need. Uh, everything stokes it. Uh, everything is about what more could you have. And maybe like, look, I'm not even a present person. I haven't even written a list. I don't really even care about that. We all have, we all have to look within ourselves and look at what is the more that, that I gravitate towards. Yeah, uh, 1 Timothy speaks of this idea this way. It says in 1 Timothy uh, 6, godliness with contentment. Let me just say contentment. Let me just say contentment like it's the thing you want more than anything. Let me just say contentment. contentment. 
Oh, it's great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. This is, uh, the scriptures speak to us of a way of life that just says, do you know what? Uh, we all think great gain is found when we have more, but actually great gain is when you learn to be content and to choose contentment with what we have. Contentment is being grateful for what we have instead of focused on what we don't have. He says, those who want to get rich. Now, you go, like, oh, I don't even want to be rich. I just want, you know, I just want like a holiday house, you know, but... Um, <laughs> You know, you'd be like, he says, those who want to get rich, the whole idea is those who are always chasing more, they fall into temptation. It is one of the great temptations of our day. It's always, if I just had a little bit more. And if we fall into, it says, a trap into many foolish and harmful desires. We, we give up things that are valuable because we're chasing something else. We spend our time on things that maybe we will end up wishing we hadn't because we've fallen into a trap. It says it plunges people into ruin and destruction. And you might be like, man, that feels really harsh. It's just Christmas, you know. But here's the thing, what, what I want you to know. The life Jesus invites us into, a life that is countercultural, a life that shines like light in the dark, is a life that says, I am going to believe that with contentment and gratitude and thankfulness for what, I don't for what I do have, instead of focus on what I don't have, that there is great gain in that. And actually all the things that want to pull us to like, if you just had this, whatever this is, it might be a holiday, it might be, a, a, it might be, a, it might be whatever, but we, Christ invites us to a life where we choose that for what it is. And we say, actually, the idea that something else is going to get me there, that is a trap. And it will pull me in. And, 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 and this kind of desire for more and more is what makes it so hard to ever just be present where we are. But when we choose contentment, that's great gain. Now, the, the second thing that I think is really, uh, if you want to be someone who chooses to be present and choose presence uh, this Christmas is leveraging what we're going to call the, the power of priority. You know, if, if you don't choose what's going to be important to you this time of year, uh, it will get chosen for you. You know, people, you, you'll get caught in different currents, be it maybe it's what you, you know, people around you want you to do or think how you should spend your time. You know, we have to leverage the power of priority. If we want to be able to be free, I love the lyric we sang, you know, the the, the, the freedom that's found in the truth in Christ that lives in us. So we're called to this free life. And to do that, we have to set a priority. Jesus speaks about it this way in Matthew chapter 6. He says, and he's speaking here about, you know, he's like, hey, look, I know the way of life is usually to worry about what are you going to wear, what are you going to get for Christmas, what are you going to get on the street, what are you, you going to eat, all, all those things. That's what life is often filled with what will I get and, but he goes, look, if God clothes the grass of the field, takes care of the grass, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, uh, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? He says, therefore, don't be anxious. Don't be people who are running around always thinking about this and that. And, and this time of year, you'll be, we're all kind of stoked the flames of anxiousness and what if this and what if that and all. Oh, and if I don't have, and maybe I need to make sure I do. And he says, don't be anxious saying, what are we going to eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles, and what he's kind of picturing is, he's like, look, people who don't know God, this is what they do. They seek after all these things, seek after all of it. 
He says, and your heavenly father knows you need that. There's nothing, obviously, you need clothes, you need food, you need all these things, but your, your heavenly father knows that. But instead, he says, seek first. Let me just say first. Let me just say first. Seek first one thing, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you do that, he says, all the other stuff, it'll be added to you. Everything else, yeah, you need it. Yeah, Jesus like, I'm not saying you don't need food and clothes and all that stuff, but I'm just telling you, Jesus says, you're going to have to choose one thing that you make your priority. And if you choose to make one thing your priority, and that one thing becomes seeking after God, seeking after his kingdom, his ways, his way of life, following Jesus, he says, then everything else, it'll find its place. It'll all fit where it needs to fit. But the great challenge of life is to choose a priority. Do you know, it's said that one of the almost kind of modern epidemics we face is, and researchers talk about how we're almost, uh, we're almost losing our ability to figure out what is important anymore. Because we are so saturated with information. We're so saturated with constant connectivity. We're so saturated with you know, the, just, you know, carrying around all of the knowledge and the history of human earth in our back pocket, and we can look up and see what uh, anyone's doing at any given moment. All these things, you know, we, are, we have, so there's so much overload of information that one of the great challenges of our day is how do you ever figure out what matters, what's important? And Jesus says, look, there's going to always be a whole lot of stuff in life, but if you just choose this one thing, no, seeking God, that is what is at the priority. Everything else will find its place. You know, interesting thing about the word priority, it, uh, it comes out of a Greek word, comes into the English language around the 14, 1500s, but it was only in the last 100 years that it ever became plural, the word priorities. How many people know priorities? Like, you know what, you should start your day, set your priorities for the day. Do you know for the first four or 500 years of this word, there was no priorities? Because the whole idea of the word is you can only have, if you say everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. But the word priority is always to say, what is most important? But what happened in the last 100 years is we've all gone, well, I don't know, it's just too much, it's all important. We can't just have one priority. You need to be able to have like five priorities. But the reality is what Jesus is saying, look, you have to choose something that becomes the defining priority. If you want to be, and, and one of the great challenges we have in a noisy time of year where there's a lot of chaos and clatter and all this stuff going on is to go, hold on, deep breath, what is most important? And Jesus would say, make it your priority. Seek first. Make it this your one thing to seek after the kingdom of God. I think this time of year we are presented with a tremendous opportunity to, in the midst of everything that happens and goes on, to oh, it's, it's actually that opportunity to say, what is that one thing that I am actually seeking after? You know, and, and I want to give you a, a last picture of what I think this can look like as well. Because the, the hard thing can be sometimes to get a handle on this. And you're like, so... You know, it's kind of like the Jesus. So if I'm seeking the kingdom, I'm not worrying about what I eat or what I wear. Do I still, do I, do I go to work? Do I, like, what do I do? How do I, how do I put these two things together? Um, there's a great 
picture in, in one of the famous stories, and it's, it's actually about a, a dinner party. It's probably like a Christmas dinner party that, you know, we might think of where uh, one of Jesus' good friends, uh, Mary and Martha, are having a big dinner, uh, a big party at their house, and, um, and they, you know, they're, they're getting ready for it. Jesus is there. He's sitting on a chair. One lady, Mary, sitting at his feet, just listening to him teach, soaking it all in. Martha is the other lady, and um, and if you're familiar with the story, everybody sort of likes to be like, yeah, bad Martha or something, because she's just working hard and trying to get it all done, and she actually took the time to choose the Christmas placemats and put them out properly and all those things. She's working hard. She's in the kitchen, and and this moment happens that, that we'll just key in on for a moment. Martha, it says, was distracted. Let me say distracted. You know, just know the reason having a priority or seeking first the kingdom is is difficult is because life is full of distractions. Uh, and she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she kind of gets to this point where it's like she's cooking, she's cleaning, she's doing it all. Mary's just sitting there listening. And she's just kind of can't take it anymore because the whole time she's cooking and cleaning, she's thinking like, this isn't even fair, is it? You know, she's not helping me and she's, and all these things. And then it says she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I love it that she's like, you know, how many people have ever done this? We tell Jesus what to do. <laughs> she's like, Jesus, I'll let you know uh, what should happen here. Tell her to, to help me. And he says, Martha, Martha, Lord answer. You're worried and you're upset about many things. Let me say many things. Was she thinking about one thing or how many things was she thinking about? Many things. But few things are needed or indeed how many only? And Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, oftentimes, if you've heard this story, it can be easy to kind of go, hey, this is about, you know, I, you, you should be a, um, uh, we should all, don't be in the kitchen and clean and cook and do all that stuff. Just sit, you know, <laughs> just as if that's the thing that was better. As if the better thing was, you know, or that uh, it's almost like people, all the, oh, it's, a, well, you know, and then people who are like doers are like, so what, my, is my personality wrong? I just, I want to be in the kitchen. Now, the challenge here is not whether you're more of a Martha type who likes to do things and get stuff ready or whether you're more of a, a Mary type who wants to just like, you know, I like to just chill. I just want to like kind of sit with Jesus and listen and soak it up. That's actually not what the story is about. It's about the difference between being worried about many things or being focused on one thing. Because if, if the better thing was only to sit at the feet of Jesus as though there was no place in life for working and preparing things, then where, where would things be? There was still a dinner party to happen. And Jesus never went to a dinner party. He would multiply food that people brought and took out, but Jesus never was like, don't worry, don't need to work. I'll just, you know, that's not, that's not how he operates. But what this story, I think, is such a great picture of is how in the midst, so your calendar might be full this Christmas. You might do lots of things. You're like, oh, so to focus on Jesus, do I got to can it all, cancel? The question is, you have to navigate that, but the question is, how do we just be people who are not worried and distracted by many things, but who whatever we are doing, we learn to be focused on Christ. 
I remember reading years ago a book called Practicing His Presence. It's written by a guy named Brother Lawrence whose desire in life was to say, how can I live every minute deeply in the presence of God? And one of the pieces of what he wrote that just always stuck with me because it was such a picture was he would talk about peeling potatoes and how his kind of, basically his desire was to, how can I be as present kind of peeling potatoes to God as I would be, say, on a Sunday in a moment like this or something like that? How do I just be present and attuned? And a huge part of what does it look like? How do you be occupied in doing other things and yet still be present to God? And a big part of that is going, we... She was worried about many things. She was thinking and comparing and look what they're doing and they're doing and all this stuff. When in, what would it have been like if she could have been in there fully embracing who she was as the hostess with the mostess, but instead of worried about many things, simply serving Christ? Instead of thinking about what someone else was doing or how Michael... And, and I say all that to just say this. What does it mean for us to be people who just learn how to no matter what we're doing and no matter what the noise and chatter and clatter of culture is pushing us, we just go, yeah, I want to be a person who's just focused on Christ. He's the, he's the priority. He's the number one thing. And when we do that, it actually frees us to live the kind of countercultural life that Jesus describes that we've looked at today. You know, Jesus, he had a way of summing things up, and he said all of life can get boiled down to this idea of two things. One that takes the priority, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, your strength. Do that. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Love others. I love Scott McKnight just calls it the Jesus Creed, this real simple, here's, here's what you do. Here's what we wake up. We're Christ followers. This is what we go with. I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love other people. And maybe this Christmas, one of the ways you could kind of frame that for yourself is that this is a season about how I pursue God and am present to others. Because there is no greater way to love another human being, family, friend, stranger, than to genuinely be present to them. To be able to actually be there. Not on a phone, not half there, not worried and distracted by many things, but present. And, and we are called, if we are followers of Jesus, to be people who are present to him, attuned to him, and present to others. And wouldn't that be radical? Wouldn't that be different in our world? Imagine in that way, uh, this Christmas, that we just go, not all, there will be a thousand things that compete for attention and headspace and all those things, but to just... Wait a second. How do we begin and walk through each day in such a way? I'm going to be present to God. I'm going to pursue his presence. And I'm going to be present to the people around me. Out of the love, the joy, the peace, the hope that I get from him into my life, I can now radiate that to the people right around me. You know, I'm going to invite our team up and we're going to sing a song together, I think. Gathering uh, on a morning like this is a, it's a great step. It's a great way to go, yep, in the midst of everything we do, we pause and we stop and we gather and we say, God, we've all got lots of things that could distract us or, or take our minds different. But, Lord, today we, we stop and we gather and we say, you, you're worthy. This is who you are. We want to calibrate our hearts to you. 
want to calibrate our minds to you. And as we sing, I, I hope that you're able to step a little bit more into that. And I hope that maybe over this next couple of weeks, in what could be a distracting and, you know, kind of anxious producing time, that instead God will enable and empower you to rest in the joy and peace of having one thing, to know him, to be present to others. I'd love to pray for you. Would you stand with me? And I'd just love to pray for you. And what I'd love to do first is just give you a couple of moments, a couple of minutes just to stand, to stand in the peace, to stand in the quiet. And maybe there's something that God's been speaking to you about. Just close your eyes and just take a couple of big, deep breaths and just... See if there's anything in particular he wants to speak to you about. It may be around what it will look like to be present to others. It may be around what it will look like to really pursue his presence first of all. It may be just a pouring out of a little bit of his peace into your life. But just take a couple moments to stand in his presence today. You know, I really believe our lives should look very different this time of year from a world worried and distracted by many things. It's a way we can shine his light. And I'd love to just pray for you if you'd like just to, but that, that, because that can't happen unless, unless his spirit is at work within us, unless he is living out through us, unless his light is shining. And, and he's promised us to give us of his spirit as we ask him. And so I'd love to pray for you. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can just open your hands. We're just going to pray that God's Holy Spirit would come, maybe empower you to live out some of those decisions you've been thinking about, to live out that desire to seek Him first. You can just hold your hands open as we, if you want to be a part of that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you stepped into this world to be present to us. And that you have now given us of your Holy Spirit to be present with us each day. And in this moment, we just welcome the work of your Spirit. And I ask the Holy Spirit, you might come and fill us afresh. Fill us for this season, this moment. That, God, for each one of us, as your Spirit fills our lives, we would be so so empowered to live as a people who are first present to you, who seek first the things of your kingdom, who are able to hear from you and be led by you and stay in step with you. I pray you'd enable us by your spirit to do that. And that God, out of that, we might be present to the people around us, present to our families, present to our friends, present to our workmates, present to those we will meet on streets. 
we will be able to genuinely reflect the goodness of your kingdom in this world. So I ask, Holy Spirit, you would fill us up. Enable us to see distraction and traps for what they are. Give us the ability to cultivate contentment and to experience the great gain that you speak of. Fill us with deep love, both for you, God, and for the others around us. And may in all things, may it be like your light shining in this world through us. We pray it together in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said, amen. Amen. We're going to sing now. And this song, what a great reflection it is on who Christ is, on what he's done for us. It is a song about how worthy he is. And so I encourage you to, you know, not just uh, be physically present, but be present even now. Be present to him. And let's celebrate who he is and what he's done. Let's come before his throne, attuned to him. <laughs>